Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we are live, and I'm bringing you another guest today that I'm very excited to speak to. So on today's episode, I interview a Calgary-based one yoga teacher and interning massage therapist serving with the Way Holistic Collective. Welcome to the Winner Circle, Arifa Leilani. Hi, thank you for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I've had the pleasure of taking many uh, yoga classes with you over the last few months. One of the uh, privileges of this digital world is we're able to connect with yoga teachers, whether that be in Vancouver, Calgary, Saskatoon, with Ryan Lear, India. Um, it's a pretty wild experience. So there's a lot of chaos going on in the world, but there's a lot of beauty. And this podcast focuses on that beauty, on the positive. And the goal of this podcast is meant to uplift, inspire, and empower others with the stories of the guests that I bring on. So the first question is a very light question, a very positive question. And that is, Arifa, what do you love about your world right now? Oh, that's such a good question to start with. Um, I love this coffee. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've, I've had a lot of moments of love and lightness over the last year and a half. Um, I think many people, maybe I shouldn't speak for all, but many people have had that experience of slowing down and getting to dabble into that life of really just being at home and enjoying simple, quiet moments. And that's kind of my, my goal to have as many of those as possible. And so I really enjoyed the last little while of being able to be simple and quiet. And that's what my life is like right now, being able to be close to my closest people and being able to just be around people who love what I love and being able to share what I love um, and being able to be creative with how I get to share what I love with. I feel like when things become restricted, you can get really creative with how you're going to make it work. So mm -hmm. it just as one thing, as one door closed, like many opened, I feel over the last uh, year and a half. So I, I love that. Absolutely. So you mentioned the things that I love. So what do you love? I love simple moments. I love being able to connect one-on-one -on -one with people. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> um, and I love being able to be in my, my yoga practice, my movement practice, in my body, in nature. Um, I'm really lucky I live right by the river. So just being able to mosey around and people watch and listen to the water and the wind and, and learning. I've, I've learned a lot and I I'm a yoga student and teacher, and I'm also um, almost finished massage therapy school. So learning about some of my favorite things, which are the body and the nervous system via yoga and via this other form through actual manually being able to manipulate it. Um, yeah, I love learning and I love being outside and I love being in my body. So that's what I've been, what's I've been up to. Mm -hmm. So another introductory question I ask all guests um, is their mission. So all companies, all organizations have a mission, which act as their guiding star and all that they do. 
Um, so what is your mission that extends to your yoga teaching, your yoga student in, um, your massage therapy, and your personal life and everywhere in between? What is your overall arching mission that serves as your guiding star in all that you do currently? Because our mission is always changing. But right now, what is your mission? Yeah, in this moment, uh, and this moment kind of being like this last couple of years, what's really been moving me forward is recognizing like the overwhelming privilege of being able to have access to even just yoga and my mission what it feels like is is using that privilege and being able to bring it to as many other people as possible because the way that I see it is that um, the people who really really would benefit and would be served from yoga and massage therapy and all these forms of wellness um, oftentimes don't have access to it. So my mission is to figure out how I can make yoga and wellness, which is a big, a big W wellness, um, accessible and available to everyone. Anyway. Mm -hmm. So let's hit the rewind button and let's take a look back at how yoga entered your life and what that looked like. Where did this yoga journey begin? Totally. I, I laugh when I'm asked this question because I, I was very lucky. I, I didn't grow up active or really interested in, in anything to do with, with yoga. I, I didn't have this aha moment. I don't even remember my first class. Um, I do remember one time I, the studio that I, I likened to like my growing up, the studio I grew up in. I came to yoga when I was 18 out of high school, kind of that weird transition period where you're like, okay, I guess I have to figure out the rest of my life now. And with seeing all my friends going into their degrees and into their, their next steps, I didn't really know what they were. So I was dabbling in post-secondary and thankfully one of my cousins was going to this yoga studio that was doing donation-based classes every weekend. So I went with her and I, one of them, I walked out and I was just like, I just had this feeling that um, that I, I had never felt before. I didn't realize that I had all this anxiety in my body and in my mind. I didn't really realize how disconnected I was and was feeling at that age. I didn't have that sensitivity or the tools to, to really ask those questions. But we were out for lunch later and I was just like, how do I do yoga more than just on Sundays with you? So one thing led to another and I became a karma cleaner at that studio. And then another thing led to another thing. And then I started working the front desk and I actually just dropped out of university, which my parents loved to work at the front desk of a yoga studio. And it was the best decision I, I ever made. And it, it made for a lot of, of growing up and it, yeah, it really set the trajectory for the rest of my life. So I was working there for a few years and then, you know, practicing a ton of yoga. And in the early days, you know, I'm 20 years old, I loved moving and I loved, I loved the external and I was really drawn to it. And that's what brought me there. And then things started to come to the surface and I was like, oh, there's something more to this. So I wanted to become a teacher. I wanted to learn more and I wanted to share more. I liked public speaking. I liked talking and I liked I loved my community and I spent as much time as I could. If I wasn't working, I was on the mat. And if I wasn't on the mat, I was drinking tea with my friends in the studio. It was like, it felt like the home I'd really been 
seeking and I didn't even know I was seeking it. Um, so yeah, I became a yoga teacher at my home studio passage in Calgary um, where I, I teach now. And it's just every time I get to teach there, I, I remember that full journey every single time. And, and yeah, so then I, I continued my, my trainings. I, I did another training, um, and then another and another, and, and along the way, got to meet people like Ryan Lear. And, and when you meet Ryan Lear, you meet other people and when, you know, and you meet other teachers and the, and the doors just continue opening and continue opening. And, um, and then there was a, a transition where I, I found that my, my skill set and my ability to serve wasn't so much in, you know, just being behind a desk. So I started to venture outwards and, and try to teach more and try to figure out what within the yoga practice I actually was, was in most service of. And um, I, I always kind of came I say humble, but maybe with truth, like a little bit insecure. And because I started when I was really young and my mentors were like, were older and were, had lived life. And I think about my, my early days um, teaching before a lot of life had happened. And I would sit at the front of the room and I would tell people like, you just gotta be grateful and everything's gonna be fine. And I laugh at that, that cute little version of me and I love her so much. And I always try to like keep a, a bit of that with me, but, but yoga is like the tool that's also gotten me through like, like real life stuff. Um, and I'm really, really grateful for that. And then moving forward to now, um, beyond just teaching yoga, I felt like I'm an asana teacher primarily. And it felt like my responsibility to know as much as I could about the physical body. Um, and so, and I like, my love language is touch and I, throughout my life have always just kind of been able to see in a person's body if they're holding if they're tense and wanting to be able to help and not really having the tools and and so one thing led to another plus some injuries in my body um, that sparked my curiosity and so I I wanted to learn more and I I signed up for massage therapy school in like November and started in January, which is kind of how a lot of things in my life go. It's kind of that tipping point model. It's like things are brewing and brewing and brewing. And then it's just like, oh, I guess I'm going to massage therapy school for the next two years now. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at today, almost finished and really, really looking forward to, um, yeah, putting the learning in the school and being in, in student mode behind me and getting to take all of it into the world and, and share. Right on. So there's a lot to unpack from that, um, that origin story. So let's start um, at that crossroads of should and must. So when you're in university, your post-secondary education, and you felt the calling that yeah, this wasn't for me, I want to listen to my heart, and I yeah. want to go practice, practice yoga. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned your parents weren't that happy with that decision. <laughs> yeah. And um, so many people their, their journey kind of stops there um, at that crossroads of should have must. And they, they listen to those shoulds, those shoulds of their parents, the shoulds of society, the shoulds of the safe route. Mm -hmm. um, and you chose to listen to your must. So can you walk us through that process? And what would be your advice for um, someone at that crossroads where they're feeling a calling in their heart, whether that be to move to another city, to go travel, to end a relationship, to leave their secure known world, to pursue something greater. Yeah. What I was kind of thinking about before we chatted today was 
was pretty much the answer to that question is like what what allowed me to to do that to behave that way and I I feel like I can actually remember where I was several times in my life and one of them was at the university library um really wanting to just go full in um there was an opportunity to have a full-time job not just work like Mondays and Tuesdays at the yoga studio and um and then what I'm really proud of is like at that young age I asked myself or this question just came to mind like is this the story that you want to tell like 10 years from now that you fought your way through university hated it got a stable job hated it and then probably would end up in yoga anyway and that would be a cool story and that's fine but that question's always come up like in relationships that haven't felt great in jobs that haven't felt great and when I feel when you feel just kind of like stuck in it and in that stuckness there's like that sweet moment of surrender that I always trust will come through and in that surrender that quiet voice asks that question thank goodness and it's like is this really what you want to tell 10 years from now is this really what you want to tell your children is this the story you want to have um and that comes from these same wonderful parents of mine who were like please go to school and I mean I I love and honor them because they're they're immigrants and their story coming here is like my they were they were my fairy tales growing up the way that they came from Africa to uh to Canada and their trajectory so I understand like land of opportunity and education and and I never take that for granted. And I, I, even at that age, really fully understood that was their motivation wasn't about control was it was about love and wanting me and my brother to be really successful. But I think that they recognized over time that what they wanted more was for us to be happy. So of course, they're supportive and stoked about the life that I'm leading. Um, but, but yeah, inspired by their story of everything that they did to get what they wanted that I think that's where that question came from is like, what do you want your story to be? And that's probably the advice I guess that I would give to somebody is, is to ask that question and, and then like, listen for the response. And it's challenging because I feel like there's a lot of external um, feedback and especially right now with all the ability to kind of be a voyeur into everyone's life with social media understanding but forgetting that we're all just sharing our highlight reel and not often the like the vulnerable tender stuck frustrations um I think that we are so distracted by like all of that outside stuff that it's noisy and you can't listen to that inner voice being like I actually just want like a really sweet simple life what do I got to do to make that happen or I want to go travel the world and make like amazing moves what are the steps that I'm taking right now helping to facilitate that and then assessing from there mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of what I'd start with is just asking that question and then getting quiet yeah no I appreciate that and um I like what you say of uh appreciating the steps and that's really all about the process we live in a very destination oriented society well when I get this or when I do this yeah. But I think the sweetness lays on in those steps in, in that moving in that direction. And that's, that's really what it's all about to me. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much to learn along the way. And, um, and you're right. Like once you get to, to that final destination, it's like, it's like this moment of, you know, with practice, you have that, that moment of being like, Oh, I made it. But of course, like we're dynamic creatures. We're always going to be seeking and looking for the next thing. 
especially when you're in a space of service, you want to like always have more and more and more so that you're overflowing and you can share from that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, various mentors and helpers that have helped you along the way, Ryan Lear being one of them. Mm-hmm. So can you just take um, a moment just to reflect on some of these mentors? Who are some notable mentors and helpers that left a great impression on you? Yeah. What were your key takeaways learned from them? And how have you incorporated those learnings into your being? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I always reference Ryan because he has been one of like the, the biggest shifters in my life. Um, he came to the studio that I was managing didn't know who he was. I made the poster with his face on it, went to his class. And it really moved me uh, to see someone from like Saskatoon, <laughs> so devoted to their uh, to their practice. And he taught me things that I didn't know about yoga. And in like in many of the studio realms, depends what circles you hang out with. It is really about, and especially being like on the business side of things too. Sometimes you lose the, like the, I don't want to say the sacredness because there is like a sacredness of being able to hold that space and create it for people, but you have the business side of things. And so I got to go to this class from this dude who like has all these studios, who is a businessman and who dropped in and taught this, like this yoga practice that just like shifted everything for me um, and made me want to go beyond because I was still like kind of a, a young young in my practice I still am young in my practice and I wanted to delve more into philosophy and 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 all the things that Ryan shares in this this is another layer of accessibility this is why Ryan inspires me so much is because he is is constantly trying to give everything away and one thing that I hadn't considered until recently is sometimes yoga can feel inaccessible to people not only because like it's not affordable or whatever it is, but because um, it's big, it's really, really big. It's really simple, but they're big concepts. And the way that Ryan shares them, you can just like drop them right into your everyday life in, in this really digestible way. And that's important in making it accessible and bringing people into the practice. So yeah, big fan of Ryan Lear. Um, I mean, my parents are outstanding they're they're my favorite humans my my dad is like the most hardworking, like head down focused you think he's mad all the time but he's just like working from this beautiful space of love forever and my mom is like it's funny because my mom is basically me um when they made their transition from Africa um they like went through all these different countries to try to make their way to Canada and they did it and when I think about the places that I've been in my life throughout my, like I'm just about to turn 30. So throughout my twenties, like sitting in coffee shops and looking for jobs when I was thinking about dropping out of school, for example, I think about this story my mom tells me of when they were in New York city broke doing paper routes. And she was sitting in a cafe, looking through the classifieds. Um, She had a pair of high heels and red lipstick in her bag. And she would call for the job. They'd be like, yeah, come in for the interview. She'd put on her heels and her lipstick and she'd go to the job interview. So I see like that, like that happened in my life. She came to Canada and started teaching like aerobics classes. And, and I'm just like, okay, same, same, but different. And and she really loves connecting with people in a really informal, almost accidental way. 
and people will tell me that I'm good at connecting people. I'm always like, oh, you need to meet this person and this person will be great for this project for you. And my mom is very much like that. And so, you know, everybody or many people have that stint where they're just like, I'm nothing like my parents. And the older you get, you're just like, oh, I'm exactly my parents. So yeah, my parents are awesome. Even just her lifestyle in Canada, she, while my dad was head down working his butt off, um, she was raising my brother and I and hanging out with us. And the lifestyle that she created was, um, was to make that happen. She worked, um, as an esthetician as we were growing up from home and that was kind of my vision is like I want to be at home and I want to because everything starts at home and I feel like if if I the way that I am if I was always out there um I could really easily burn out and and give it all away and then just come home and then everything at home would kind of crumple which I've experienced and I've, I've learned from that so um so yeah those are those are probably my main mentors of course is my parents I can always always rely on them and lean on them and then I just have some like really great 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 friends that I've made along the way um a few a few years back I did the thing that I do where I'm just like I should do another training I should do another training it's like oh I guess I'm going to Nicaragua next month um so I I it worked out that I could go to Nicaragua for six weeks to do a training with a teacher Megan Curry who's from uh, Vancouver originally now she's in Bali and she's she's a really incredible beautiful teacher and she shifted a lot for me in my practice too because she started to open up these doors of, of like the subtle things and and just like it's it's almost I don't even still have words for it um because we would just spend a lot of time if you like Google Megan Curry, you'll, you'll see your practice and it's all very, it's, it's stunning and, and really it's like nature embodied is what I think of when I think of Megan Curry and the way she moves and the way she's, um, she verbalizes the practice. And when I went, you know, in the jungle for 40 days and 40 nights and, um, with like this group of people who became like family, um, and was just kind of plucked out from from my like very kind of stable steady life of managing the studio and teaching around that i i came in and people would talk about like it it was it was really an invitation to really delve in and we had the tools to be like what like what is really going on for you is there is there like are there challenges in your life are there beliefs that aren't serving you and I feel like I went into that training being like, I'm fine. I just want to learn how to do handstand things. Um, and then I came out being like, there's a lot that has been uncovered and, and I have the tools to integrate them. And, and I feel like I'm still like, I'll, I'll be in a practice or I'll be out for a walk and things will come up and I'll be like, oh yeah, Megan said this would happen years later um, that, that have just made me more sensitive and and what I really loved about her approach was that like sensitivity is is a gift and is and it's not something to to barricade and to block away and to run from it's like it, it's really such a gift and and in that training I met like my soulmate my lifelong best friend um her name's Lauren Tallarita and she's a teacher who's soon to live in Portland and um and yeah just like someone I never would have met um, had it not been for this experience. She's from Minnesota, I'm from Calgary, Alberta. And um, 
and yeah, we kind of like journeyed through like rough parts of life together, um, like move it. She moved to Calgary for a while. Relationships fell apart, like really like just real life stuff and the ability of, of my friend Lauren to, to navigate really tough times is, yeah, she's a huge mentor still in my life. Right on. So yeah. um, we mentioned this, you mentioned this a few times and that is real life stuff. And yeah. across, across all heroes' journeys, um, there's various challenges and tribulations that come up, whether they be injuries, um, relationships, issues, and yeah, that real life stuff, mm-hmm. um, illnesses. So can we talk about some of the challenges that you've uh, met on your path and how you overcome those challenges? For sure. Um, most recently, my, like my call to adventure call to action two years ago I had come out of a a long relationship um, which came with all of its beautiful um, lessons and and I'll just speak to that a little bit because at that time I was really into my yoga practice and like I was saying I was I was out in the world and I was sharing I was sharing this practice I was sharing the philosophies and I was sharing um yeah I was sharing like kind of how yoga works (laughs) And then I would come home and not really embody it because I was depleted. I was putting it all out and not really putting any of it into, into what, where it was needed. You know, they say it starts at home. So that was my big takeaway from that. And it's, it's kind of, it shifted a lot and, and it's still something that I'm kind of navigating because I'm like, okay, now home's good. How do I go back out into the real world and always trying to like balance that. Um, So coming out of that relationship, stressful times, um, big transitions. And for about a year, it was interesting because I was feeling really, really like light and like there was space for possibility. But my body was like talking to me in this language that I didn't really understand in like, in like panic attacks, in like tremors, um, all of these things started to come to the surface. And I was just like, I don't know what you're trying to tell me. I'll just do more yoga about it, or I'll just sit with it and I'll just feel it. Um, and, and so I would, I would just do that. I would, I would just let it be like what it was. So it had been about a year of that. And then what, you know, it started to get to a point I'd gone to Saskatoon with one yoga. It's really hot summer. And I just like, and it was, like I said, doing all of my favorite things with my favorite people. I was working with one yoga with some of their like social media stuff at that time. So I I love that too. I have like a creative side where I like to be and share the story of of people and companies and stuff that I love. And so that's one of my favorite things, doing so much yoga with my favorite teachers and just being in beautiful Saskatoon in the summer by the river. Oh, it was amazing. And I was exhausted. I was depleted. I'd come home like 20 pounds lighter. And, and again, just being like, okay, something's up. And so I went to my doctor and got some blood work and turns out I have this autoimmune disease. And, and I was like relieved in a sense. I was like, okay, so there's, there's a reason that I'm falling on the floor sobbing for no reason. My body's trying to tell me something. It just took me, you know, a year to listen. Sometimes you're busy. Um, and so that was a really big wake up call to action and shift in my perspective, because I thought that, you know, if you, if you do your practice, if you, um, if you speak honestly, if you eat well, if you drink enough water and sleep lots, 
these things don't happen. But the fact is these things do happen. And, and all of these practices and things aren't to, like they help to prevent it. This is just my thought around it because I've thought about it a lot. They help to prevent, but when they do happen, you have this toolbox of stuff to like help walk you through it. And, and that's been really beneficial for me. And that's not to say that I didn't have my moments where I was like, this is ridiculous. I am, I have done my work to prevent this from happening. It's like, no, like we come, there's a teacher that I love, Reno from uh, Vancouver. And he's like, you know, inside like every tulip bulb, like it, it's in the seed is like already its story. And it's like before it even blooms. And that's the kind of the way that I think about it is like, of course we have like a world of influence and choice um, on how our life is going to go. And there's also things that I think are already planted and, and there, there are gifts. And, and so as much as at first I was scared, I was really scared and I didn't know what was gonna happen and um, felt really out of control and resentful. And then the yoga comes through and it's just like, no, 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 this is a gift. This is like, now you get to help walk people with this through this journey with your tools. Like, that's amazing. Same. I have, like, I just found out I have scoliosis in my body. So my back is weird. I've been doing yoga for 10 years, not knowing this until I got my bones checked out. And, and at first I'm just like, man, what was all this for? And then again, it's just like, so that you can learn from it and share it. And that's, like when we talk about mission, it's just like, it always comes back to that. It's like, it's not so much about fixing it or making it go away. It's like just gathering all of the nectar and all of the knowledge from it. And then just knowing that there are people who don't have these tools and getting to them and being like, it's going to be okay. Like, look at all of, look at what you can do with yoga, yoga plus whatever ails you, like it is like the alchemy and the magic. Mm-hmm. So let's take a moment to just acknowledge some of these tools. Like I know you're someone that's very passionate about self-care and you've gathered many tools along the way, as am I. And even before we start this, I just, uh, I feel one thing people, they're all get into a, a pattern of sometimes is always trying to get more and more tools. So whoever's listening, whatever tools you have are exactly the tools you need right here and right now. Uh, but let's, hear some of your tools because maybe some of these tools that you share inspire some, someone to pick up uh, some of these tools but what are your essential self-care tools that you've accumulated and that are a part of your daily yeah I feel like I have a lot and they're not I'm not really a person of habit <laughs> I'm working on it I really like being spontaneous but I'm I'm recognizing the benefit of habit so I'll just speak to what my morning looks like. Yeah. So I wake up pretty early, usually around like 5.30 or 6, um, because I've committed to teaching early morning yoga. And, and that was something that helped me um, throughout some of the, the days with COVID where you can just sleep as long as you want to. And I was like, well, I got to make a commitment. So yoga, of course, is my, my form of self-care. I come into my body and, and sometimes it's traditional hatha yoga and and then sometimes it's it doesn't fall into that sometimes it's just it's just laying or it's just standing and it's just feeling as deep as I can feel past my muscles past my bones and then deep into like my pulse or deep into where I can feel contraction where it doesn't in that moment need to be contracting so it's a lot of stillness 
Um, I'm working, I, I've most recently actually started to develop, this might feel surprising, but I don't know how to meditate. And so I was like, I'm not just gonna sit here for another moment longer thinking about my laundry list of to-dos. I downloaded the Sam Harris app and I'm just doing meditations that way. And so I, I feel like every time I have had, and I'm one of those people who goes on their waves of meditation, they're super into it and then they just fall off. And so when I'm super into it, I am reminded that it's not like it's this like overwhelming um, shift. It's these, this really subtle shift where you can't even really feel it happening most of the time until you get some kind of annoying news and you don't react to it the way that you usually would or uh, somehow you have just more space in your day and you're just like, is this because I'm sitting down and being quiet for 10 minutes? Maybe. Okay, so movement, meditation in many various forms. Um, Self-massage is kind of my thing right now <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm working with a lot. And it, it stemmed from my massage program. I started it last January, was three months in and then everything shut down. And what I was finding was that, I mean, I'm in a relationship, I have, I have connection, but I know a lot of people who don't and it's vital for us to make contact. And, um, and that was something that people were really lacking. And so I started sharing just like self-massage techniques and, and then I, I was like, well, if I'm going to share it, I have to practice it. And then it stopped being like, I have to practice it. It's just like, I can't keep my hands off of myself because it's, it's this really beautiful way of making a tactile connection to where you're holding. And it forces you kindly to pay attention to where there's tension in your body. And once you can make that initial recognition, then you can start to shift things. A lot of the stuff in massage therapy, you know, we do our work and then we tell people you have to stretch this or strengthen this. And it's like, well, what if they don't even know where this is or how to connect mind and mind to body in that way? And so that's what I'm really interested in. My overarching self-care is just, just connecting mind to body. And mm -hmm. whether that's by touch whether that's by movement and often it's just by sitting or laying down and feeling it mm -hmm. more like more specific self-care things that I kind of have to bully myself into are like drinking water, <laughs> like waking up. And the first thing that I do is like scrape my tongue and drink my, I have like an empty peanut butter jar of like lemon water that I, I just drink no matter what. Um, and when it comes to self-care and when I talk about accessibility with self-care, what was kind of overwhelming to me when I was diagnosed with Graves' disease, which is the autoimmune thing that I have, is I got into this like, this understanding that I, I like, I'm on my medication, it works, it's awesome. But I also really truly believe in the power of the body and, and of intention and of like nature's healing medicine. In the moment, I was like, I just need my body to stop exploding. So I'm going to, I'm going to quell it with, with the magic of Western medicine while still looking outwards and being like, okay, what in my life, what in what I'm eating, what in like the, the wavelengths around me are affecting my health. And when I started to seek in that way, while I don't think anything is um, like a scam or irrelevant, it became really overwhelming because I was like, I have to spend a lot of money to survive, it seems. I need to get this type of like 
like this mechanism to stop like this from happening and I need to get these supplements for this to happen and and it was just a lot and so I, I was just really it was stressing me out more basically because I was in this really intense doing 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 mode mm -hmm. and, and like I need to fix it mode um I need to fix me mode and that's like it's a it's an issue of my nervous system that is that is causing and is amplifying this and so being in the state of like on the most subtle level, it's like the message was you're broken and need to be fixed. And if your cells are eavesdropping on that message all of the time, I feel like that was making my symptoms more amplified and making my stress more amplified. So then the quiet voice came through and was like, is this, is this what you're going to do? Are you going to, are you going to amplify what's happening? Or are you going to remember that like, most everything that you need is already right here and that your self-care is actually quite simple and it's actually in your condition like doing way less dude like go put your feet in the grass drink your water do less ask a couple of your jobs to give you some time like do less and and then I did less and I, I'm out of it it's fine like mm -hmm. it's, yeah things worked and so when I think of self-care I don't I, I still get overwhelmed. I'm like, oh man, before like 8am, I need to, I need to meditate, do my breath work, do my yoga practice, do my workout. And then, and then it's been a good day. Yeah. Even just saying that makes my shoulders grip. Um, and so not to say that those practices aren't important, but starting really small, taking one deep breath in and out, taking one minute to just be quiet and do nothing, doing one sun salutation and then habit stacking and building from there is mm -hmm. feels more caring and more sustainable than being like, you need to fix you. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Um, so from someone of African descent, this, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of chaos this year with COVID, um, but also with the Black Lives Matter movement and just like the things going on in the BIPOC community. What have you learned from all this that has been going on the last couple of years um, in, in this regards and, and being someone of um, color? And yeah, what, what learnings have you, have you gleaned from this experience and what light have you seen? Yeah, I feel like, and many from like my descent uh, right now, like in, in Albert, because my parents are also Muslim, yeah. Um, so there's like in my community and in my province, there's been like many a hate crime towards Muslim people. There's the issue of Black Lives Matter and, and I mean, like the indigenous children that we knew, but have been discovered. Um, and it's, it's coming to light that like in our country, there's a lot of, a lot of shadows that we are, that are now coming to light. Um, in my experience, because I, I didn't really actively practice my religion, I grew up in schools where pr maybe, probably, there was some prejudice, prejudice against me, but I never, I was maybe oblivious, maybe I was used to it, but I, I feel like all that to say, I, I feel like I grew up with a lot of privilege. My parents worked their butt off, and I feel assimilated and and integrated and um and i feel like when almost disconnected because when when the issue of george floyd 
happened last year and all of these stories started to come to the surface, I felt like on the side of people who were, who were compassionate and empathetic, but didn't, but hadn't been doing the work. I felt like I was like, I, it was time for me to be an ally and, and not so much the person who needed to be protected. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning, I am constantly learning and, and constantly humbled and, and, and when I talk about accessibility and like the wellness sphere and and the wellness sphere and within all of this has come to light and it's just like it's really nice that like all of you who can afford or have access to yoga saunas all these things have it but there are people who systemically don't don't have it and really really need it and I think that my work is to continually work on bringing bringing these modalities to to people of color, to LGBTQ uh, communities, to people who have kind of been put aside. Um, and, and that's what it kind of circles back to is, is coming together because I don't think we can actually say we're all one the way that we do in the yoga community um, until, until we're actually practicing in that way and actually like reaching out and bringing everybody to the same level. And it's gonna take a lot of work and consistent effort and work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And there you have many allies in that area, including Ryan Lear, who that's one of his priorities is sure. giving accessible yoga to people of color and to all different people, um, yeah. of different socioeconomic statuses. Yeah. Um, and that's a community that I'm really grateful to be a part of, as I know you are grateful yeah. to be a part of the One yeah. Yoga community. So proud of One Yoga. I love it so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. So community has played such a large role in your life and you've mentioned it a few times already. So just talk to me about community and how do you nurture a small, a a strong community in the yoga studio and in the collective you're a part of? Yeah, I think in yoga studios, it's, I just remember coming into my studio and not knowing anybody. And I mean, I'm fairly friendly, so I'll, I'll get to know people, but I just remember the first few months of just kind of coming into the class, being shy in the corner, not knowing what I was doing and then leaving, but I'd see people talking and, and going out for coffee after. And I was like, I'm going to be their friend one day. And so now when people are coming into the studio and they're nervous and they have, they've never done yoga before, just really letting them be seen and, and kind of getting onto that level with them and being like, it's going to be weird. Like it's going to be um, it's new and it's, and just be open to what your, what the experience is going to be and trying to nurture those one-on-one, um, bits of communication with people and relationships with people who are, who are new and people who have been in the studio. I'm so lucky my home studio here in Calgary has been around for 20 years and people have been going for 20 years and new people are coming every day. And, and so it's important to me to like, to, to treat everybody equally and to one funny thing that I think about in massage school is like it, we talk a lot about um they're called dual relationships so when you're in a work relationship and then when you're when you're friends and I was like I break those rules a lot with yoga I just want to be friends with everybody and so it really does just feel like family um so so beyond the mat beyond even the yoga practice becoming becoming intimate and close with your friends that you meet on the mat, checking in with them. If they have a thing with their knee, like people 
not just being like, hey, how's your knee? Because it makes you feel like you're closer, but just like, I, I feel like I always have that, that genuine interest. And maybe it's because I can empathize. I want somebody to constantly be like, how's that going for you? Um, and, and with that said, maintaining, always working with like what, what boundaries look like. Um, and, and I think Ryan said in, in his chat with you, like, you want to burn bright rather than burn out. And it's, it's tricky because when you love what you do so much, you can just, you say yes to everything and you say yes to everyone. And then you kind of have to backpedal. So sometimes I reluctantly have to leave space and windows where I'm, I'm not available just so that I know that I'm practicing, or I know that I'm sitting and staring at the river or, you know, just something to refill. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot the second part of your question. Just really all about community. And I'll just lead this into my next question about community. And that is, um, so we've been privileged to connect with digital community during these times where a lot of us have been forced inside. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like there's a difference between a digital community and in-person community. And now with the world opening back up, People yeah. have learned from their digital communities what really matters to them. And maybe that is leaving those old relationships, those old friend groups, those old um, habitual like places that they've been to foster new communities. So with the world opening up, how do you advise people on developing those new communities in person, those new relationships? How can one start if that's somewhere they feel called to do? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head is like over these last however many months, like we were really encouraged to keep our our bubble really intentional, right? Like just and then if you're going to keep your bubble small, it's going to be with people that you really, really want to be around. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, now with things opening up and for sure, I've taught classes online and in studio and I wouldn't say that either are better or worse they're just different and there has yeah. been I know so many people who have always wanted to develop a home practice and it happened this year so um so I think that's been really beneficial but as people start to like make their way back out into the world and whether it's out into yoga studios and out into even just the like their jobs is just remembering like the clarity that they had over the last several months being like as heavy as much of this time has been, we've had that open space and things only fall into place in that open space to have like, oh man, like when things go back to normal, I'm not gonna allow, or I'm not like, I, I know that I can live without this relationship or I know that I can maintain this relationship with this amount of, um, not effort, but like with, with this amount of my capacity. Um, and just just before you go out into the wild, just remembering and really becoming grounded, looking in the mirror and having that conversation and and really getting like steady on on how you want to move forward into this next chapter now, because we've been at a nice long intermission and yeah. as yeah, as really challenging as it was, uh, it it did have several silver linings. For, and, mm -hmm. and, and things like that it just forced things that needed to stop to stop and yeah there's things that needed to come to light to come to light mm -hmm. yeah. so what one tool that i think would be really beneficial in this new chapter is maintaining those boundaries that you spoke of earlier so 
what role has boundaries played in your life and what are some foundational boundaries that you abide to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, boundaries are hard. <laughs> um, one thing that, that I'm currently really working with is because I, like I said, I like to be spontaneous and I love my work. I say yes to a lot, whether it's like subbing a class or having a meeting about a thing. And I've just learned, and I think that everybody might just need to be reminded of this. It's like the world's not going to fall apart when you say no. You're not going to stop getting offered things when you say no. I've found that when you say no, this time doesn't work for me or no, that role or that job doesn't fit within my scope that was agreed upon that that kind of like that builds you up because it builds confidence to say no to things that aren't for you and it also it it reminds people and it reminds and I don't like to think that people are just constantly trying to overstep boundaries as far as they can until they're told no but it it just reminds people that you are you're like paying attention to your energy and to your space and so I guess my my biggest tool is not saying no right off of the bat because when I started getting hip to boundaries I would be like okay I'm gonna say no to everything and then I'd be like oh actually I kind of want to do that so I'd say sit with it first (laughs) I'd I'd sit with the thing I'd give it some time to steep and then if it's a hard no or if it's kind of like a soft negotiable no you can go in and say no and and I, I even tell myself things like that when I'm going into like a meeting or um, negotiating something. It's like, you don't just have to be agreeable. You don't just have to say yes and yes and yes, because there's a belief or an understanding that if you say no, that you're disposable and that something someone else will say yes and then they'll get the thing. When you get really clear on your boundaries, then it's like, when you're on a hiking trail, there's like the clear path. And then there's the kind of like the the little like extra trails where you meander and it's fine, but then you have to go back to the clear path. So the boundaries keep you on the clear path. Um, and that's, that's when you like stop on the trail and you're just like, okay, it's more clear that way. So you stop and assess and then you go in the direction. That's kind of what I think of when I think about the boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that wisdom. And all throughout this conversation, you sh- you've shared so many learnings and wisdoms. Um, it's much appreciated. Um, this next question um, comes to through all these highs and lows of life, of this journey, what do you believe to be the greatest life lesson you've learned on your path thus far that you feel called to share with us right now? Hmm. At this moment, because I have much more to learn, I think that it's not new. All the wisdom that you're seeking is already here. And if you're seeking it, it means that it's already like, it's almost like a cell that expands and expands and duplicates and duplicates. All the wisdom that you're seeking already exists in you. And, And while it's worthwhile to look outwards to find mirrors, to find affirmation, to find things to inspire and reignite that wisdom, it's already here. You're already it. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So this brings us to the point of my final two questions. I close all interviews with the final two questions. But before that, sometimes 
um, when we have a guest that specializes in breath or in your case, self-massage, we take a moment to just really get ourselves centered with one of their tools. So I have the honor to take one of your self-massage um, courses or workshops with the One Yoga 40-Day Challenge that just happened. And I'd love for you to share just a short self-massage technique that we could all use right now just to get grounded. And then we'll get into those final two questions. For sure. Okay, so this one's kind of my favorite. And I actually do it before most of my um, pranayama or breathwork um, practices. And so when people think about massage, it's usually like gliding pressure, but there's many techniques. And I guess the technical term for this technique is called tapotement. It's tapping, you know, when you see like the cartoon massages where people are doing this along people's backs, it's a real thing and it helps and it helps to release uh, congestion wherever it is that you are making the percussive action and it helps to stimulate or soothe the nervous system. So the form that I like to take is you interlace your fingers and you take the flat of your knuckle or the flat of your thumb rather and you just simply start to tap across underneath your collarbones, across your upper chest and along the sternum. And you know, when you're like a little kid and there's a fan and you start to breathe into the fan to make your voice robotic, or maybe that was just me, but that's what it reminds me of. But I do this for about a minute. And while I'm doing it, I'll take a deep breath in and then an audible breath out. So it looks like, ha. And then you can start to feel as you get more and more sensitive where there's more tension on one side or on the other. And then when you let that go, just kind of feel what shift there is. And it's exciting, it's stimulating. So it's nice before a pranayama practice. And then another one that I'll show you is just for one of my favorite muscles in the entire world. <laughs> and it attaches from right up here at the top of your chest and it runs across the front of your neck and it's mostly connective tissue. And then it connects here at the bottom of your mouth. And so they say that when you are constantly in a rounded forward slumped position, this muscle gets tight and it makes you frown <laughs> because it, it's tight and it pulls down. Um, so that's a way to remember it. So what you do is you stack your hands over top of the tissue. And I think you can do it over clothes, but it's nice to have skin on skin contact too, but either way. And then you just tip your chin up towards the ceiling and then you look away from your hands. And then you just pay attention to if there's stress or tightness or resistance along that space. So from the top of your chest, along the outer edges of your neck, and then maybe you can even feel it along the bottom jaw. And I love it. And I love the practice of self-massage. And then you can do that a couple of times and then on the other side, because it reminds you of how things are so interconnected. And when it comes to practicing yoga and doing these postures and what I love about learning truly what's happening in the body when it comes to not just the muscles and the bones, but also the effect that things like this have on your nervous system. It just reminded me, it was like, oh, this is why yoga works. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That definitely did work. And it primed mm -hmm. us to these last two questions. Mm -hmm. So in three words, how would you describe the experience you're having on this earth 
I was just thinking about words this morning. Okay, joyful. Curious. And kind. Joyful, curious, and kind. Yeah. That is quite the experience you were having. <laughs> and we played around with time. We were around time to examine your origin story. And I'm going to channel my inner magician and I'm going to fast forward time. We're going to head into the future and we're going to be alongside an 85-year-old Arifa Leilani. Who is this 85-year-old Arifa? Where are you? Who are you surrounded by? And what is the legacy that you've left and all those you impacted here on your time on earth? Okay, I live in a cute little flat with lots of natural light and it's golden hour at this present moment. There's lots of plants. I'm still doing my yoga practice daily, my breath practice daily, my walks daily. I have like, I have a handful of really close friends that are in my hood and we drink coffee and hang out for hours and hours at a time. And I'm writing and sharing about the body, about the effect of the magic and potency of yoga. And in 85 years, I'll probably have like a robot so I don't have to do any chores, <laughs> <laughs> which is good because I'm not good at them right now as it is. Um, and yeah, my life is just like just full of, it's basically my life right now. I, I just aspire right now in my late twenties to be who I am when I'm 85, nothing's changed. It's the same. And, uh, and I'm, I really kind of like that about myself that I I'm inspired by people who are always really, really like working and growing and creating. I've kind of just realized, and it, at first I thought it was settling and I thought that it was living small but I, I hear people when they're older and they're just like, you know, at the end of the day, what kind of matters is that your days are good and you're around people that you love and you're doing what you love. And what I love is very sweet and simple. And so I don't know that much would change um, from today to me being 85. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll do that handstand when I'm 85. <laughs> yeah. So I want you to just say one more moment with that 85-year-old Arifa. I just feel what it feels like to be her and to last left that impact and legacy that she has had uh, in her loft, surrounded by plants, mm -hmm. surrounded by friends, by family. And I'll bring us back to the infinite now, the present moment. And that 85-year-old Arifa, she sends you a message. What does she whisper into your ear? Mm, I love that so much. Um... Just keep trusting yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. And that this is it. You're doing it. We're doing it. We're in yeah. it. And it's been such an honor and pleasure to get to know you more on this chat and to share your learnings and your wisdoms with others um, on this podcast. Where can others find you that if they're wanting to connect with you, learn more, take some digital yoga classes or yoga classes with you in person, get a massage, where mm -hmm. can they be sent? Yeah, so I, I live in Calgary, Alberta, um, and I during COVID, I dabbled in kind of creating more of a, a space for people to 
come and join me in practice because, you know, I, I could only sit there watching Netflix for so long. So I figured out how to get my stuff online. And um, so I have an online platform where I share classes from like five minutes to 85 minutes. And um, they include yoga, breathwork, meditation, self-massage. So it's just like an informal place for people to come and join me. I have a website, it's arifalala.com where you can kind of find all of that stuff. And then I'm on Instagram a lot, just like posting about my cat and stuff I eat and, uh, and yeah, just like the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, where else, what else? As for massage, yeah, I'm, I'm at The Way in Calgary, which is a beautiful hidden gem in, in the Calgary space. Uh, it, it's a space where it's multidisciplinary and they offer acupuncture and, Reiki and just a, a bunch of really beautiful sound healing modalities and and I'm there massaging so um yeah and and hopefully more soon once I'm finished with school and on track to become that super chill 85 year old right on well thank you so much yeah. to close every episode we bring our fists together for a digital uh, fist bump into the winner <laughs> circle yeah. a choice that we can all make so thank you yeah. blessings to you Mm -hmm. and that's a wrap on today's beautiful yeah. conversation mm -hmm.